Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to Poke the Bear, episode 20. I'm Evan Marinovsky, alongside Connor Ryan. Connor, how we doing? I'm doing swell, Evan. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, can't complain. It's uh, December, but it feels like it's, you know, April-ish with the weather. Yeah, very odd. I don't like it. I, I, you know, it's funny. Typically, we'll take 60-degree weather, but I, you know, it's funny, and I, and I tweeted this yesterday, I love pond hockey i love going outside lacing them up skating on a lake or a pond or like a reservoir is one behind my house and it kills me that like the last couple of years it's got you know it's warm in december or it's not cold enough and then once it is cold enough there's too much snow like now's the perfect time i want it to be like 10 degrees right now for like five days straight so i can just skate exactly. yeah, it's, it's kind of selfish but it's one of those things where I'm fine with it being like 60 degrees in November and stuff like that. But once you hit like December and you get the holiday season, I'm all for just going all in on just like the whole holiday vibe or just having like, it'd be nice and chilly now, you know, want to go out, have some hot chocolate, some mulled wine. I want to be all in the mood. I want it to be, I don't be wearing shorts. I wore shorts yesterday. Shorts and too. This, this is not, no, I'm, I'm, if I'm going Christmas shop. I'm not walking around like this. It feels like September right now. Like I have to go. You have to go all in at this point, and right now it still feels like we're in we're in the in between. Which, I mean, last winter was the same way. Like, didn't it like barely snow after New Year? Yes, I vaguely remember. It didn't really snow much, right? What's which, funny we're, is like we're complaining about it now, but we're like we're getting into like February, and it's going to be we're going to have like five or six nor'easters and going to be miserable. But or, yes. or what's going to happen is like life's maybe going to get back to normal by like the end of the winter. And we're all going to be like, you know, going back to work and the tea's going to be broken again. And we're all just going to be absolutely <laughs> miserable. So be like, damn, I remember there was an episode a while ago where we were like, we would sit in traffic again if it meant things to be normal. If it was like sit and wait for a broken down tea, I don't know if I would uh, vouch for that. But it is annoying. I mean, it's like I have, a, I have a friend in Vegas who moved from here out to Vegas. And she was like, the one difference is like the holiday season is just doesn't feel the same at all. Like it's warm. It's nice. You're going to Christmas shop in you know 70 degree weather like to me that just doesn't really appeal to me um and especially with us living our whole lives out here we sort of are so used to you know the the cold and like the that you earn spring like you've got to earn spring to get there um but personally i think the worst part of global warming and no one talks about this the rinks the 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 ice the lake's not freezing over 
to skate no. on. I think that is the worst part of global warming. No one wants to say it, but I'll be bold enough to say it. You should go to the UN and do like a PowerPoint presentation on like the the un you know the actual one of the un uh, you know unreported consequences of this is that I can't do my pond hockey right now. I, it's, well, it's Greta, Greta Thunberg will be speaking, and I'll basically pull like a Kanye West on Taylor Swift, and I'll walk mm-hmm. up and just take the mic and go and, and go, "Hey Greta, I'm gonna let you finish." But but pond hockey is the the greatest of all time, and I'll do that, and it'll be. I'm just fully just like dressed in all the gear too, just like yes. you, like you just have just been waiting this entire time. You've been waiting. <laughs> Walk up there in skates with uh with uh some skate guards on the bottom, so they don't uh, scuff up with a hockey stick. You know, oh, I would be famous. Last thing you want to do is scuff up the United Nations floor. You don't want cause exactly, and I don't want to hurt my skates. I don't yeah. want to have to sharpen More these again. Yeah, you know. Come on, it's obvious. Uh, but yes, uh, I'm hoping that things get a little colder, which is weird to say that, but I do. I mean, I'm sitting here. I mean, granted, I'm, I'm inside, so I guess I can't really feel it. But outside, I wish it was a little colder, and I don't think that's a, a horrible thing to think about. Another thing I wish was that the NHL would come back, and this is something that it feels like a lockout. We've both said this. It's now been kicked around on Twitter. The Toronto Sun like buys, at least on my Twitter feed, they're always like a story they write is always in like the trending page of Twitter for like days on end. So like November 30th was when they wrote this, I think. And I didn't even read it, but it just says like, feels like a lockout and it's just there forever. So it's just always in front of my face. Um, but this does feel like a lockout. This does feel like a lockout. What are they fighting over right now? So yeah, right now, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. You look back at when they agreed to this new CBA in July. And I think everyone at that point was like, Oh wow. Like, if there's one maybe silver lining you had out of this whole miserable situation is the fact that the NHL and the NHLPA were able to get, you know, reach labor peace in terms of, you know, realizing that, you know, it's in the best interest of everyone to kind of keep the league going. Um, the players agreed to, you know, I think it was a 20% escrow cap and a 10% salary deferment. So, you know, the writing was on the wall, that the revenues were going to get hit. Um, and, the players are willing to make that sacrifice of giving up some money now just in order to kind of float the NHL and keep them, uh, keep them rolling when you knew that their revenue was going to dry up. Um, so you would think that that's all, you know, in the past, that's something we don't have to worry about now. The biggest issue this upcoming season was going to be the stuff that we all expected it would be right in terms of safety protocols, travel realignment, uh, the fact that the border between the U S and Canada is still not open kind of a big hindrance um you think and a, whole bunch of, a whole bunch of those other things that are just the common sense uh issues that you have to sort through that there's tons of them that you have to you know get in line and agree to before you start the season which again the nhl announced back in october october 6th i think what it was is that they wanted to start in january 1st and they haven't officially changed that yet which it is uh, today we record on December 2nd. Uh, they are running out of time in, in terms of actually getting the season off the ground. Um, but the issue now is the fact that whether it's the owners, you know, ran the numbers again and realized like, oh, shit, we're going to lose a lot more money than we thought we would, which I don't know how you didn't think of that in the first place. But either whether it be that or um, some other issue, they're pretty much going back to the players now and being like, so there is a, a way we can tweak some of the terms of that CBA. How about you guys give up uh, an additional 
uh, in deferred salary, and we'll add about five more to that escrow cap. So I was like, hey, you know, we I know we signed this deal uh, four months ago, like not even like you know two three years. Like, oh, we signed this before there was a friggin' pandemic. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, we signed this a couple months ago. Um, we're doing a lot worse than we thought. How about we take even more money from you guys? You guys cool with that? And the NHLPA, understandably, is like, no. no. No, what, what are you no. talking about? No, it's like, and, you know, I understand the players have to, are, are going to get kind of the short end here. And that's how it usually is in labor disputes, right? It's usually the players are kind of the ones who, well, the fans are the ones who actually suffer, but the, the players are usually are the ones that get hit bad by kind of whatever the owners and the league kind of set down. But um, again, this is a, a part of the CBA that could have been, that can be renegotiated. You know, it's it's written in there. It's like, well, it can be amended in other circumstances, which I guess this is the other circumstances. The league is running out of money, but um, it's still, you know, op- operating in bad faith where you're, you've already have the players taking up, you know, giving up, I think over, you know, a quarter of their salary already based on this salary defer- deferral and uh, the escrow. And now you're asking for, about half, I think, is what it'd be if they put these ones in. Like half their salary would be gone this year. Um, and for, you know, players who are already, you know, signing way below market deals or people who are like, all right, last year sucked. I don't want to be in the bubble. We're not in the bubble this year, but it's still going to be a weird, messed up year. And I'm going to be making half of what I made. Like, you understand kind of the, the consternation. But I think it's more or less comes back to just operating in bad faith of why didn't we agree to this back in um, in July when it seemed like we were kind of ready to roll and we were ready to kind of keep these seasons going. Yeah. I mean, this just, again, this seems like it's so disappointing to see it um, because it's kind of, you know, the owners obviously get a bad rep at the NHL for being kind of greedy, especially the ones around here. Um, and this does not help that look. Um, and I feel like we sort of all need to make sacrifices at, at these times. And I don't feel that like the owners aren't really willing to, to fully do that. And again, I mean, everyone suffers in these situations. Every, you're only going to lose more money the more you hold out. The NBA just announced their, their schedule for Christmas and their schedule for coming back. I mean, as, as you know, you Bruins fans out there, you hockey fans, us writers, we sit there and go, my God, imagine if that was us. Mm-hmm. Imagine if that could be us. Imagine if we had a schedule or something to look forward to or something like, oh my God, you know, they're playing in three weeks. Like that would be the greatest thing ever. Um, and for a while it was like, oh, January 1st, January 1st, come back January 1st. And now I don't see how the hell you're getting back January 1st. Um, so this is my next question. And you brought this up to me yesterday. We were texting about it. Is there a chance the season doesn't happen? I mean, there's, when you try to, you know, inject common sense thinking into labor fights between the NHL and NHLPA, who would do uh, that? Usually, yeah, it, it usually never works out in your favor, but if we want to try to go with content, I don't know how it's in the best interest of anyone to sit out this year, especially where you're trying to gain fans, you're trying to build momentum before the 2021-22 season where the Kraken arrive. Um, and, you know, we, we've heard about some owners are even saying that um, they'd be better sitting out the year than trying to cut through a, a shortened season without any fans. I think uh, Kevin McGrath said uh, in the Toronto Star article that you mentioned that, um, teams are prepared to lose about 150 million if they play 40 some games without fans. 
And that's why a few teams are like, all right, we don't have any money right now. Like, why, why are we even playing? Which, I don't know, maybe you don't own the team if you can't take expected losses or, you know, you, you deal it. Like, I, I don't know what you want to do rather than shut down the whole league if that's your best bet. Um, and, I mean, that, that whole article was pretty damning anyway because it said that a lot of these owners and the Board of Governors didn't even read the terms of the, the new CBA back in July. It was like uh, they just went with what Bettman said of, like, pushing it to get the season back on track. And then afterwards people read it and were like, hey, uh, why aren't they deferring more of their money? It's like, all right, why don't you read it in the first place? Like, why, like, wh- how is this on the terms the and conditions? Yeah. The terms, and yeah, conditions. exactly. It's it literally it's fast clicking through the terms and conditions on anything is what the owners did. So, um, again, there's always the risk of if the players don't budge with anything. You know, if the, I, I assume the players are going to have to at least give up some more of their deferral. I don't know if an extra sixteen percent is what they're going to do, but. Um, again, maybe the NHLPA sticks to their guns and is like, listen, this is what we signed back in July. Like, this, I don't know what else you want us to do here. Do something on your guys' own end to to deal with these losses, but how is it on us after we sign this deal? Um, but I still think it'd be a, a very short-sighted move, obviously, to say the least, to sit out a whole year. Um, I mean, we saw how much people were blasting the MLB for almost doing that this upcoming season. Um, and so for the league, it's like, uh, I just don't see why it would, it would help to sit out a year when you're going to lose fans. You're going to, you know, kill any momentum you've been building the last couple of years. And also the fact that the NHL desperately wants to get through the season and burn that last year, the NBC contract they have with the TV rights and, you know, the streaming and the media rights and all that stuff. Because again, it remains to be seen how much money they're going to get from you know, an ESPN or any of the big networks, but it's going to be a lot more than what they got before. And if the NHL is looking for a, its own stimulus package or its own bailout, you're probably going to get that in 2021, 22 by whatever new broadcasting deal you sign with any of these big, big networks. Um, so that's, I think for the league and for Gary Bettman, that one is kind of the driving force in terms of, all right, this year is going to suck. <laughs> you know, we're not going to make a lot of money. Uh, owners are going to get, squeeze pretty bad because of it but if we get through this year if we at least get a, a product out there um and we burn that last year the nbc contract then we're getting back on track we get a big new contract we get a lot more money injected the crack can arrive and we have some momentum building up into that where by 2021 22 you probably have a full season hopefully hopefully things are somewhat back to normal like all right this year sucked we're, we're starting things over. We got a new team, guys. Everyone check this out. It's a crack and everyone buy their shit. Yeah. And then you, you go kind of roll into it like that. Um, that's the best case scenario. But again, uh, this was something that kind of just came up in the last few weeks. You know, I, we thought that most of the, you know, the delays in terms of actual concrete progress was going to be because of, again, figuring out the scheduling and the realignment. You know, the NBA was able to deal with the, the Raptors, I think they're playing down in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I want to Bay. Say. So, I mean, that was the one thing where it's like, all right, yeah, that, yeah, we'll move them down there. We're fine. Like, the NHL has a lot more to deal with where it's – you got a bunch of teams up there. Um, but You get a Canadian team. You get a Canadian yeah. team. Everyone gets a Canadian – Kansas City and, and right. uh, who knows, everywhere. Everyone gets a Canadian team. Um, but but the the league has a lot more to deal with in the NHL in terms of getting the season off the ground. But the fact that now it's something like this where we're dragged into another, you know, 
labor dispute, another situation where the first side to blink loses. Um, again, it doesn't help the fans or any of us looking for, you know, the season to go off, uh, you know, pretty cleanly right now. We're just kind of sitting here waiting to get any more concrete news. But as you said, it seems like that January 1st starting date is all but all but lost unless they miraculously agree to something at the end of this week. And it's like, yeah, training camp starts in a week and a half, which, again, you've got guys in Europe, you've got guys up in Canada, you've got guys all over the place. You get to wrangle up and get them back over here. So I'm, I think – Best case, you're looking at mid-January to early, early February at this point. You know, maybe 48 games, something like that. But, um, again, easier said than done when you got these two sides kind of, uh, you know, arguing over money again. Not great. Not great. No. And it's and it's funny, the TV deal thing is most interesting to me because you do wonder where they might go next year. You know, whether it's they stay with NBC, which I have a tough time imagining they would. I feel like – I think ESPN's the move. I've always thought that. If you really want to grow, I feel like the most most younger people in this country watch ESPN. I mean, you know, it's all-day sports, NBC sports. I mean, you know, they have, you know, like fencing on at, you know, 11 in the afternoon. So – I just personally think ESPN is the way to go, but that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. Speaking of big moves, we just had a 15-year anniversary. 15-year anniversary of, of a very, very bad, but ended up not being as bad as people thought, trade with Joe mm-hmm. Thornton to the San Jose Sharks. Now, 15-year anniversary of that, older than both of us together. We're both yes. under 15. Mm-hmm. but so know, but... people people don't know that people, people don't know that um and combined too so that would make like you know you eight and me like seven um so that would be kind of weird uh but yeah eight plus seven is 15 right yeah i got that right i think so you can't confirm i think, I think, I'll check I think that's it. i i think that's it uh but what i think the most interesting part of the joe thornton trade obviously everyone's hashed out how bad the return was and how like, you know, Wayne Primo and Brad Stewart ended up turning into Chuck Kobasu and Andrew Ferentz. That's not terrible. Ferentz won you a cup. And on the other side of it, Marco Sturm was here for a really long time. Had the, this building's vibrating goal, had the 2010 winter classic goal. He was great. I mean, he was a great, like sort of bridge guy. Like when you think of like bridge players from one generation to the next, Marco Sturm is like the prototypical bridge guy. Like that guy was a complete bridge to the future to like contending for a cup, but he was not going to be on that cup contending team. Um, traded for future considerations. I don't think the Bruins, we don't know what those future considerations are. And that was 10 years ago. Um, but what I think is most interesting about the deal is what Brian Burke tweeted. I think this was back in April. Uh, this was this year when he said that he had, he'd wanted Thornton bad on the ducks and he offered Kevin O'Connell or Mike O'Connell. Offered him uh, like a future first. I think there was might have been a second in there, and then hit. You know, Burke would name his five best players, and O'Connell could pick anyone else off that list, like anybody right. else. Now you think back then, Getzlav, Perry, Joffrey Lupo were not in their primes. That yeah. was you know Tamu Solani, Scott Niedermeyer. Uh, I think Francois Beauchemin, J.S. Chaguer. Yep. There were uh, that was sort of the core. Right. So you could have had a shot at Getzlav. Or Corey Perry, and I, I don't understand why he didn't go for uh, that deal, and he went with the Sharks. Right. Well, that's the most puzzling thing because I think now when you there's always always going to be people who are going to be mad about the Joe Thornton trade and the fact that a guy like him didn't you know wasn't a 
a one team guy or, or a guy who at least didn't spend his whole career here. But again, you can frame it in terms of, yeah, you know, you got the pieces that allowed you to get guys like Ferens and um, more importantly, I think the biggest thing is it, you know, allowed a guy like Bergeron to kind of ascend to be the kind of the next, uh, you know, franchise center for the Bruins. And more importantly, you freed up a bunch of cap space and what did you do the next year? You used it to get probably the, the best free agent signing in NHL history, maybe in Zidane Ochara, and you also get Max Avad with. So, I mean, you talk about, you know, it's it's like the opposite of when the the Red Sox traded Moogie Betts and they just didn't do anything else. Like, we got money. So, we okay, got Martin Perez. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So it's, you know, making at least the Bruins, you know, they trade a franchise cornerstone guy, but who won the MVP that same year you traded him. But um, at least you use that cap space in the best way possible in getting a franchise defenseman in a top line center. Um, so, but again, you, you look at the ducks trade, you would have freed up that money anyway, if you traded to the ducks also, you would have, you know, got at least you would expect one of get for Perry, unless, you know, Burke was looking to the future. And instead of having a already very, very good ducks team that was going to win a, a cup within a year with, yeah, within a year, right? I don't think they oh, five won. Oh, six. They won oh, six, oh, seven. So they won the yeah. next year. Yeah. So a team that was literally on the cusp of it, I doubt you would have traded, uh, you know, some of these franchise kind of guys already had there, these older players. But um, if getting Joe Thornton means you give up a guy like Getzloff, yeah, of course you make that trade for the Ducks if you're trying to win now. So, um, but yeah, the fact that it, it was one of those situations where it feels like O'Connell, like, was set on who he was going to trade to. And everyone else is like, oh, you know, we'll give you Ryan. Get- Hello? Hello, Mike? <laughs> uh, okay. Like, I feel like it's one of those situations where it's, again, it, the the Bruins worked out. They won, they won a cup after trading Thornton. They got, you know, the cap space. But you also could have had another two or three younger players that could have factored into the next 10 years of this team if it was somewhere else. So, again, it wasn't the – the most devastating trade, I guess you could say in Bruins history, but um, you could have done a lot better considering what talent you had there in Joe Thornton in terms of. It's, fu- just it's funny though. At the time that was the devastating trade because they were terrible. And then they bottomed out again. Like they were, they, well, it's funny. Well, they were good in the years leading up to that year. They they were pretty good in that time leading up. Um, you know, they remember Raycroft and, uh, they were they were genuinely pretty good, um, and then the Thornton trade happens. They completely bought him out, um, and I think at the time it was devastating. But yes, I mean you you wonder about an alternative reality in the Bruins universe where they get Ryan Getzloff and they have get a first round pick. But let's just say they have Getzloff. So okay, you have Getzloff and Patrice Pergeron. You know, does that do you does that mean you go out and get Savard? I mean, I don't. I think you still get Chara, maybe not Savard, but probably still Savard. So. And then where does David Krejci fit in the mix? Like, I think it's a very cool thing to think about. Um, Perry also is interesting. I mean, if you get Corey Perry, I mean, that's just another scoring winger. I mean, Perry ended up being a 50-goal scorer. Like, so I think it's so fascinating to think about those two because, I mean, Perry and Getzloff in their prime were top 10 players in the NHL. I mean, mean, like elite of elite. Um, they just kind of got stuck out there in Anaheim and those, it's funny, the ducks won it in 0607, but then for the next like 10 years, 
they made so many like conference final. It felt like they were always in the conference finals um, right. and just could never pull it out. But I wonder if they, if they had Joe Thornton, would they have done it? Who knows? Who knows? But yes, 15 years for that deal. Um, uh, always fun to look back and, and revisit it. I'd be, I'd, it's funny. Another, not to bring up another sensitive subject, but the Tyler Sagan trade, if you watch the behind the B footage of it, which is amazing that they got footage of it and then released it. Right. Shirelli's talking to other teams. I'm always mm-hmm. interested in what other teams were offering. And I'm also interested if they waited like a day, it felt like they just did it like in a day and just like decided right. on a whim, let's trade him. And then let's take the first offer. I wonder if they waited what they could have got, like what you yeah. could have got. I mean, at the time Erickson was like a top line left winger, but that was on like the stars. But like at the time it was like, Oh, Erickson's pretty good. Right. Um, and he ended up not even being the best part of that deal. It was really Riley Smith. I mean, that showed the most promise, but I do wonder if Shirelli got anything else for that. Um, but you would, you we'll think, never know. You you would think there would be quite a few offers for a guy like Tyler Sagan, but who knows? But yes, it's a, a lot it's of like offers. West winning the Grammys, where he's like, I guess we'll never know. That, that's what <laughs> we'll, we'll never find out. I guess what some of the, unless like in it'll be like Burke. Uh, you know, 20 years, 15 years later being like, oh yeah, I could have given them this. We're going to find out in like 10, 15 years of like uh, some other like stud player in, in 20, 2013 was on the table and the Bruins opted for Louis Erickson instead. But it's funny. Um, You think about like, I feel like if I was a GM, I would do what Burke did, but I would just BS it. Like if someone asked me a question, like what was this one trade you wish you made or like one trade you wanted to happen? And I'd be like, oh, you know, I tried trading for like a young Neil Yakupov and I was going to give up like, you know, Evgeny Malkin for him. Yeah. Uh, that would be just like perfect. I feel like if I was a GM, I would just troll people with that stuff. Um, yeah, I think we would get, uh, we offered McKinnon, but they didn't, they didn't say they, they, they passed. So that, that's wasn't, what the, there, wasn't there a rumor a few years ago? This was before my time, at least on the beat. Wasn't there a rumor that the Bruins were going to trade Brandon Carlo to the Avs for Gabriel Landeskog? Yeah, well, at the very least, it was definitely Landeskog. That's all you heard was was Landeskog. So that's an interesting one to think about because yeah. he does well now, but he's on that incredible. He's on he is on the best line of the NHL, McKinnon yes. and Rantanen. Um, not here in Boston, but anyways, before we go, we as we were about to record, we found out that Mike Loftus retiring, uh, forty plus years of the Patriot Ledger, legend in every right. Uh, always fun to be around in the press box and before and after Bruins games and uh yeah we're gonna miss them unfortunate yeah Mike Mike's the best Mike Mike's a pro's pro Mike's been doing it for a long time um great guy funny guy to have in the press box um again if you're on a beat for 40 years means you you've been doing something right and he's got you know a bunch of great stories that he's put together over the years um now I can't say enough about kind of just the career he's had and kind of just the way he carries himself as a writer it's something where I think all the, you know, young writers who join the beat um, can learn a lot from just, you know, watching Mike and how he goes about himself, how he deals with players and, you know, how he, you know, presents questions in, in scrums. And um, I think you just learn a lot from just the way he, he's gone about, you know, his career. So as you said, I mean, hats off to Mike on a fantastic career because, I mean, he, he's definitely one of the best. He's the best. He was awesome. And it sucks. I mean, the, it, you want with this pandemic, you know, we've, you know, there are people who have lost their jobs. I don't think he lost his job. He just retired, but it's just unfortunate. Cause it's like, we would have loved to have had like one last, you know, 
game with him or something. You know, and it's just there isn't that. Um, but yes, a career, uh, forty years, you're doing something right. If you're forty, if you're at forty years anywhere, that's doing something very right. So uh, hats Which, off to I'm, Mike. I'm still, I'm still eight years old. So well, it's true, and I'm seven. So hopefully, yeah. at some point, yeah, hopefully at some point. I'll hit the 40, uh, 40 years doing something, Mark. But hats off to Mike. What a career. Um, and is there anything you're working on at BSJ before, uh, before I let you go? Yeah, we're going to be following this ongoing labor strike that we've got right now, which is the biggest issue in, in hockey right now. We don't really know when exactly we're going to be back for actual games. And I think it's going to hinge on um, what we're going to see over the next couple of days, hopefully, in terms of, um, you know, working out a new deal and, and getting the season off the ground. So we'll have all the latest over at BSJ. So subscribe at bostonsportsjournal.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan, the score 93. Do all that. Uh, and for Poke the Bear, I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. We will see you next time and have a great rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs>